1: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com and hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the JitteryMonkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahachko, and joining me uh, for this very special National Signing Day February edition uh, of the podcast is Hoss Reuter, of course, and our... uh, uh, recruiting correspondent, if you will. You've heard him on the show before uh, around the early signing period, and that was Rick Cohn. Rick and Haas, welcome, uh, gentlemen, uh, to a Friday night spent in front of our computers because I don't know. I, I I don't have a good excuse for that one.
2: I don't either. I'm married. That's my <laughs> excuse.
1: I, I, I'm married. My, my boy is asleep. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm he was asleep in his bed before nine o'clock. I did not fall asleep on his floor. That is a win. Uh, last night, I woke up on his floor about 1245 in the morning, and I'm like, crap, I still have to fold laundry. So, um, yeah, oh, it made, I for, made for a long night. But uh, the uh, uh, the good news is we're all here, and... Uh, uh, Nebraska football, uh, obviously the bulk of this conversation is, is going to be around uh, the events of this past Wednesday and and the uh, traditional uh, National Signing Day. And we, of course, for the first time had the early signing period back in December. Uh, but I think a, a lot of the, I guess, maybe bigger names, maybe, maybe that's not the uh, doing... The, the young men who signed in December Justice, but it seems like there are always uh, you know some individuals who want to hold out and, and get a little bit more of that attention, uh, you know, a little bit more of the spotlight. Maybe they do need a couple more weeks to make that decision, and so that's why we have the February signing day. Um, what, what I told uh, folks listening, what I told uh, Haas and Rick just before we started recording is that I'm going to be a lot more hands-off uh, in this particular episode, and I'm going to kind of let Haas and Rick uh, take the bulk of the show because they followed uh, the events of this past Wednesday much closer than I did. And, and let's just be honest, they're a lot smarter than I am. Um, so it, it makes more sense to have them just kind of carry the conversation. And, and if I have to, uh, you know, if, if I have you know, something intelligent to say, which is not likely, if I have something entertaining to say, that, that might be uh, more apropos, uh, then I'll chime in. But uh, we're really going to let Haas and and Rick, uh, you know, kind of take the reins on this one. And and, uh, I I guess we'll start with, uh, uh, you know, how many, was Nebraska able in in such a short recruiting period for this coaching staff, was Nebraska able to, uh, you know, cover all their scholarships and and have a full recruiting class?
0: Well, Rick, if you want to lead off with that, uh, that, the floor is yours. Okay.
2: Well, I think the answer is mostly yes. So we filled a lot of holes. I mean, we had critical shortfalls in Manning, in uh, wide receiver, and defensive back, and we signed a ton of both of those. So that helped a lot. We, we added a whole bunch of speed to the offense, and we added some key defensive players.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so we did well. There were... Uh, couple of misses I think I think we uh, we could have done better on the offensive line recruit we got and I and we missed on the defensive line so so I would give it if I was a great it B plus, B plus, what did you say Haas?
0: Yeah I'd have to say about B plus as well um, offensive line wise as an O line guy I'll lead with that, uh, I really like getting Willie Canty out of Florida, I think, at his size and with the simplicity of Frost's offense, you know, the complex simplicity. It looks complex to the defense. It's simple to learn for the offensive players. I think that's a guy that you could potentially see stepping into that right tackle position from day one. Um, I think Will Farniak is a guy that's really going to develop into a really good center. In a few years, once he adds enough lean body mass, he's only at about two sixty right now. But I really like his footwork, and um, he's played in a spread—you know, spread to run system up at Sioux Falls, Washington, under Chad Statham. And um, I, I really like the running back recruiting, especially Maurice Washington, who I think will be a day one starter, along with Greg Bell, who at six foot two fifteen will be a little bit more of the hammer back in Frost's offense especially as Trey Bryant's future is kind of in flux still from that knee injury. So, I'm really happy with the offensive skill position that we put together. Um, really happy with the safeties that we've recruited, all 20,000 of them and along with, you know, guys who can also, you know, spin down to be linebackers in nickel and dime situations. So, they really address key positions in need because we lack speed in uh, the offensive skill positions and we lack speed in the defensive back seven last year.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, uh, if another thing that I think there was a common thread, I mean, I wrote a lot of, uh, a lot of these commitment articles and there was a common thread. It was, uh, flexibility. Uh, A lot Mm -hmm. of these players are, can be used in multiple positions or add multiple, uh, abilities to the offense and the defense and i think that's something that they targeted and did a good job uh uh bringing onto the team is a lot of a lot of swiss uh swiss army knives
0: yeah uh that's the best way to put it and it, for i kind of picked up on that late in the recruiting cycle the past few weeks looking at the guys we were targeting and the guys that we had committed um from the standpoint of you know, everyone kind of knows on this podcast, I'm I'm a bit of a New England Patriots fan. I really like the Patriot way. You know, I admire Bill Belichick's style of coaching. And he's big on having a lot of players on the roster who are in the 6'4", 6'5", 260, 270 pound archetype. You know, guys who can do multiple things really well. And you kind of see that, you know, on both sides of the ball with Frost's recruiting that they're targeting guys who can... Play both running back and receiver, a la, you know, Maurice Washington and Miles Jones. And then a lot of guys in the defensive back seven, like Breon Dixon, the old Miss transfer, along with Cam Jones and Cam Taylor, guys who are going to be safeties and Deontay Williams, of course. Um, but they can also, you know, align as a linebacker, nickel and dime situations. And if you have that kind of tweener hybrid you know, body type and athletic ability, um, the more you can do to add value to what we're going to be trying to do offensively and defensively, the more it's really going to help this scheme take off in year one of Scott Frost.
2: That's a great point. And another thing is, is where he's stepping into a situation where he doesn't know the abilities of every existing player that's already there on the team. He can, uh, he, when he identifies strengths and weaknesses in the team, these flexible guys who can play nickel or corner or safety, we can put him where the weak points are, and he can shore up and, and revitalize this team the fastest.
0: Exactly, and especially with how football in the modern era has turned into such a uh, situational game, it's not so much about just lining up with your base offense or your base defense, whether that be – 11 or 12 personnel on offense or, you know, just a standard 3-4 Oki under or over on defense. Instead, you're going to be doing different things to account for different offensive and defensive styles and being able to plug in guys, you know, especially like outside linebacker who are athletic enough to cover receivers, slot receivers and tight ends in space, but also, you know, big enough to take on blocks from pulling guards and offensive tackles in the box that's going to take on such an importance, especially with what we see throughout the course of the big 10 with all the different offensive styles. I mean, you got the, uh, you know, jam in tight, run it right up your butt, you know, offenses of Iowa and Wisconsin. And then you got the spread to run, you know, weird hybrid shit, you know, excuse my language, that Minnesota likes to do. And then the more standard spread to run that Ohio state likes to do. And then you're going to see Purdue and Jeff Brom has just got a game plan your ass right out of the stadium based off matchups, having those body types, you know, to be able to account for all those different styles within all those sub packages, you got to have the the variety of, you know, hybrid guys who can do both things really well, you know, on your roster or else you're going to be, you might match up really well one week with somebody and then the next week you're going to be at a total matchup disadvantage. You never want to win or lose the game just off the whiteboard, the chalkboard alone, you want to win or lose the game based off of execution and what your guys do well. It's players, not plays. You know, it's kind of the antithesis because I'm such an X's and O's guy. But you want to have those guys who are going to match up really well on a week to week basis against everyone that you're going to play. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, relative to the other
2: teams in the Big Ten, uh, our, our recruiting class was pretty solid. So I have us at. Rivals has us at 21, and third in the Big Ten. 247 is 22, one spot behind Michigan and fourth in the Big Ten. ESPN had us at 21. Pretty solid. Uh, for As far as for a first-year coach, I wrote down some numbers here. I, I don't know if I got everybody, but some notable teams. There's a lot of first-year coaches this year. So we were 21, 22 we'll say, 22 on 247. Uh, UCLA Chip Kelly was eighteen, Florida with Dan Mullen was fourteen, Oregon was sixteen, so that sounds like we all made fun of Tennessee. They ended up twenty, so sounds like twenty two. You know, is that? But that's pretty solid. Arkansas, there's a you know quality team. They're fifty five. And- UCF was seventy two with Josh Heupel.
1: I want to throw Oregon. one other thing on that too, as well. While you're going down those numbers, is uh, Florida, uh, not Florida, Florida State with Willie Taggart? Uh, was it slick Willie? Then they end up about eleven or so. They did end yep. up
2: eleven, and,
1: and that, that's I'm, the thing. There's is, an asterisk it,
2: next to that eleven,
1: right? Yeah let's let's talk about that because it you know before he was uh, uh, dismissed or, or or you know Jimbo Fisher he, he had a top ten recruiting class. And yet, somehow, you know they're they're claiming that Willie Taggart is, uh, you know, this recruiting genius. But he actually had a, a finished with a class rated lower than than uh, Fisher's. And I, I don't know. It's you, you got to look at. I, I think pure, you know, star quality or whatever. Yes, Florida State probably had a better recruiting class than Nebraska. But if you look at what Scott Frost and his staff was able to accomplish uh, you know spending December between two schools and, and coaching while recruiting and everything else. And from where Nebraska started, you know where, where they were ranked you know at, at Riley's dismissal versus where they finished up this past Wednesday, you have to look at that as Nebraska, as, as Scott Frost you know and his staff did so much more than what Willie Taggart did. You know, being handed a, uh, you know, I I think uh, somebody in the Slack chat room uh, f- phrased it as you know, if if the uh, Florida State SB Nation site was calling it a home run, it's like yeah, it's a home run, but you started at third, you know, <laughs> because you're you're yeah. two years removed from a national championship and, and you're in Florida, uh, you know, so uh, I think that Nebraska and and Scott Frost and his staff did more with you know i don't want to say with less but you know they, they had more gains might not have as much to show for but they they didn't i don't know if you know nationally they got the recognition and the respect that they deserved on that
2: oh uh, i think nebraska was was mentioned by every national recruiting talking head okay, about the job that he did definitely so
1: this is why I sit out and, and don't talk much, because I'll put my foot in my mouth. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so oh, you're right, and you've got to remember, in rivals, our class was when uh, the day that was it a uh, day or two bef- uh, before he took the job, our class was at 94, and that was including Cameron Brown, who we knew was going to decommit, and Mazri Mapu, who did not uh, qualify. So, I mean, that was a class in the hundreds. Class mm-hmm. in the hundreds. You know, I mean, there's FCS teams that are higher than that. So, I mean, it's incredible. North Dakota State's higher than that.
0: So, yeah, for they, what what was Frost strong. did. And, Go ahead, Os. Well, for what uh for what Frost did from the time he took over, you know, the week after Riley was fired, with all the decommitments, and then also splitting time between UCF and Nebraska. Um, you know, I followed recruiting in earnest since 05, you know, Callahan's, you know, ridiculous class that he signed in his second year. And that Frost recruiting job this year is one of the best that I've seen, just, you know, understanding, you know, things that he is working against, the time constraints, and to be able to, you know, salvage that class from, you know, in the mid-90s all the way up to, you know, the high 20s, it's nothing short of amazing. And it's not just, you know, from a lot of guys who you know are ranked high on rivals it's you know guys that when you watch film or watch your look at their offer sheets they're really good football players and they fit the scheme and you know they they look to you know fit the culture as well and um i think anyone who would say that frost didn't do a good job in you know signing this class is just out of their freaking minds here
1: Well, let let me let me piggyback on that real quick, and I think I'm probably going to answer my own question. So I uh, do my best to not phrase it as a question, but you almost have to say that when you're starting in the the high 90s and you're finishing, you you know, in the low 20s. I mean, you're you're talking almost an 80 rank 80 position swing right there, and and with all the the hurdles that you know, the I don't want to say the distraction of UCF because that was something that you know Scott and, and the and the staff committed to.
0: Well, it took away from their efforts. Yeah, I I would say it's a distraction.
1: Okay, well, uh, you know, fair enough. Then I I did. I didn't want to. I guess maybe give it a negative connotation. Um, But that has to be the most impressive uh, and perhaps the biggest swing in ranking, uh, if not in, if not, you know, in the history of college football, or at least since rankings, you know, and, and recruiting started to be. You know, uh, uh, followed this closely, but at least in recent memory, that that one guy and his staff took a a team that was near triple digits in rank and got them almost to the top twenty. It's almost unheard of, and and it part of it has to do with the fact that yeah, he's coming off an undefeated season, a national championship season, if you will, uh, and he you know received all these. Coach of the Year accolades, but there's also the, just been that buzz ever since uh, mm-hmm. early November of you know uh, the home state kid, the home homegrown kid coming back and you know bringing bringing that that culture back to Nebraska. And and there are a lot of guys who saw what he did at UCF and and probably thought, well, if he can take them from zero and twelve to thirteen and zero in the span of twenty four months. What can he do with the Power Five program? And they want to get on board on that, and I don't blame them. I just think that that you know it's a tremendous thing. It's it like I said that that type of swing uh, from you know ninety seven, ninety eight, maybe even triple digits to 21, 22, one, twenty two, let's say, is, is perhaps unprecedented.
2: Yes, I don't have uh, I don't have data in front of me for that, but uh, clearly I've never heard of anything like it. But Haas has probably followed the past years closer than I have.
1: You know who would know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I who
1: Paul Dalen would know. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> a, get Paul on the horn. All right. <laughs> no, it, it really is. It, it really is unprecedented, um, and especially from the from the standpoint of you know, we're all such big Nebraska fans that we have the blinders on, you know, the, the singular focus on Husker football. And to us, you know, it's important and, you know, it's kind of difficult at times to take a step back and kind of realize, you know, well, you know, we're not perceived nationally the same way that we perceive ourselves, you know, if we're just looking at objectively. But for them to, for Frost and his staff to get the Nebraska position, Coach the UCF bowl game, parlay the excitement at UCF, a totally different program, you know, at this point. and And contemporarily, a better program than we are right now into recruiting success for Nebraska. It is just, you know, back to being unprecedented. And one of my biggest reservations when Frost took over was, you know, he's a great in-game, you know, tactician. And, you know, what he did at UCF speaks for itself. But I was a little concerned that he was going to fall into the trappings of the, uh, I don't want to say fairy tale, but kind of the, uh, the illusion of Camelot of the Nebraska way. And I was a little concerned about that. But almost immediately out of the gate, those concerns were put to rest with, you know, going after guys like Adrian Martinez and hitting the Juco ranks hard and, you know, really recruiting, you know, athletes that fit the scheme you know are, are explosive you know the kind of athletes that you need to be re- relevant on a national basis and then it culminates in you know with plucking guys out of the capital of the sec and caleb tanner you know and it's just you know on signing day i you know as i was scrolling through twitter you know after i got out of class and i was seeing you know i expected that tanner was probably going to sign with us but to see that happen and then to get the you know Surprise of Willie Canty and Andre Hunt on signing day. It was like, holy shit, you know. You know, at this point, Frost hasn't even coached a game here, and his reputation precedes him already, not just, you know, as a, you know, prince of Nebraska, you know, as a native son, but just, you know, on a national basis. And then you hear comments, you know, that Chinander, Eric Chinander said about how when he goes recruiting in the high schools, the coaches who have been around a long time put a lot of players into college football and said, you know, you all got to get this thing right. You know, college football isn't the same without Nebraska being Nebraska. And it shows, like, college football is ripe for the sleeping giant, you know, to reawake at Nebraska, you know, to finally rise up, quit getting in our own way. And uh, our name still has that clout that makes guys, like, Caleb Tanner down in Atlanta, Georgia, the capital of the SEC, say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go to Nebraska. And that is, you know, as someone who, you know, firmly believes that you don't win games based off of plays, you win games based off of players, that's awesome to see because for too long we, we heard things about, you know, Callahan signed a lot of great players. Oh, well, you know, they're overrated. Recruiting doesn't matter. You know, going back for Callahan Solich, you know, was probably the most worthless recruiter anyone's ever seen, and you know, just didn't recruit, you know, didn't leverage the Nebraska name very well. And then Pellini, who just his aversion to recruiting, just totally, you know, culminated in Nebraska being so talent deficient in fourteen and fifteen and sixteen, you know, and then Riley could. Get guys interested in Nebraska, but couldn't close it out. And then you get Frost, who can get guys interested and can close it out. And we're, you know, we're the, the the first step is, you know, has been taken. Sorry, that's yes. a little bit of an esoteric ramble.
2: No, uh, but you made some great points. And, and something else uh, that he did, you know, we pulled, what, like eight players out of Florida? We mm-hmm. also pulled two f- players out of Georgia. And I think making inroads into Georgia and, and, and Florida that we have not – I mean we've always recruited Florida, but not to the extent we did this year. Uh, Georgia is huge to me to pull two players out of Georgia. I mean I, I looked up these numbers. How many times has everybody said, oh, we got to get players out of Missouri. we got to get these guys out of Missouri. we got to get them. How many times have we heard that all year? Mm-hmm. So it's that Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. That was one
0: those people last year leading that charge. I agree. So,
2: well, just some numbers here. Uh, how many blue? How many uh, blue chips do you think came out of Missouri this year?
1: There were. Uh, here is the thing that I know. Being in the St. Louis radio market, that they were talking about on the you know Thursday of this week after signing day, because they were talking obviously more focus on um, Missouri, but they said that there were ten. I guess ten quality D1 talents and then they were saying that the Tigers got one and because they're talking about you know their coach Barry Odom saying you got to do better than that yada 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 in in your home state but they also said that you know in uh, Illinois (laughs) Lovey Smith didn't get one single kid from uh, Illinois like Chicago area or nothing like that so but hit that Texas and Florida stuff as best he could but yeah is 10 about the number you were thinking or had in mind there Rick?
2: So well I, uh, I looked it up on 247, and they have six blue chips, okay. six four-stars, no five-stars, 31 players that are three-star or above. Now, not all those are necessarily Division one talent, like you said. But Georgia had 32 blue chips and 192 three-star or above players. Georgia is, you know, that is a much higher target rich much more target-rich environment than than missouri and we went over in missouri with and put a lot of work in there and still didn't get anybody i mean just to put that into perspective california right the recruiting mecca california only had 45 blue chips 32 in georgia and normally they all go to georgia so for or, you know a few of them go to alabama and and whatnot but uh to make make inroads and open that up for us that's a big deal that's going to pay dividends down the down the road.
1: Do you think that that's just the a uh, a hangover effect from from Frost uh, being in, you know, coaching in Florida for a couple of years and 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 being so close to that region or do you think that this is I don't want to say you know like uh, uh, laying the foundation of a pipeline or anything like that but do you think that this is the beginning of a sustained relationship like what we saw you know for you know a couple years with that Calabrasca movement do you think that going in and plucking talent out of SEC country is something that can be sustained
2: I do because uh, there are people on the coaching staff that have the networking and have those connections in Georgia that we can keep open and use in the future, especially if Caleb Tanner and Katerian Lagrone succeed. That's the next step, right? We gotta—they have to succeed. But I mean, both of those players have the potential to do so. I, I mean, the likelihood is good. They succeed here, and that's just going to open tons of doors. For uh, all those SEC footprint players to come up here.
1: Well, let's let's not. Uh, I don't know. bury the lead. Let's let's talk a little bit about Caleb Tanner. Uh, Apex predator. <laughs> he's not Randy Orton. <laughs> right. Baller. He, he's not Randy Orton. Get out of here with that.
0: Um, uh, I that is aside from Maurice Washington, <laughs> I am most excited about Caleb Tanner. Like you know what. I bet he's got a wallet with a phrase from Pulp Fiction stitched on.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I
0: I love pass rushers.
1: He well, let's talk about his his uh, announcing his his decision Wednesday. It caught attention. I guess would be the the most appropriate way to to phrase it. He had, I think, five hats on the table in front of him. Of course, Nebraska's was in the mix and uh, was Ole Miss and and maybe you know a couple other SEC schools, something like that. Uh, Tried on a few of them, ended up throwing all of those hats onto the floor and uh, from underneath the table had another nicer Nebraska hat, in my opinion, and put that one on and uh, announced his... Let... I want to... Maybe I'm... And and I, I say this without any offense to you, Rick. But uh, I, I'm not the oldest one in, in the group. But I feel like I'm going to go very old man. Almost, almost get off my lawn.
0: I was going to say you going to tell us to get off your lawn.
1: I, I've I've done it before. I'll do it again. <laughs> but nice. do we do we need that much display? And, and I know these are 17, 18, you know, in some cases maybe 19 year old kids. I don't I don't know how you know. I remember in Varsity Blues, they were gonna, uh, you know, leave uh, hold their youngest one back so he's a little <laughs> bit bigger for freshman football. Yada yada yada. So I don't know I how
0: twenty three district titles count them.
1: <laughs> but do what is so wrong with just coming out? You don't even need hats per se, and just say, "Hey, you know, thank you all for, for coming out." Uh, you know, you can have your prepared speech. I want to thank thank God, thank my parents, thank you know my coaches and everybody who's helping me get me, and then just make the announcement. It's it is, and I say this because I I thoroughly dislike uh, like Hollywood uh, award ceremonies. I don't care about the Oscars, mm-hmm. Emmys, Grammys, anything like that. But it's almost like that. It, there's such pageantry now, and such pomp and circumstance. And I get it; these are young men making big life changing decisions. So part of me understands it, but at the same time, do do we? It, are they just doing it for the attention? Because we live in a social media, you know, hype, crazy world. Somebody talk me off the the ledge because I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not – I don't say it begrudgingly. If I was good at sports, uh, you know, and and had offers from several, you know, Power 5 schools, I might do the same thing. I don't know.
0: But – You know, it's funny you mention that because I'm – on Wednesday, on signing day, I was actually thinking about that after I saw how Caleb Tanner announced his commitment. And I thought, you know, if maybe this is just, you know, the hindsight that you're blessed with in your late 20s, you know, looking back on being 18, or maybe it's just, you know, the way I was raised. I don't know. But if I was 18 years old and I was signing a letter of intent to go play Division One college football, I don't think I would even have a signing day ceremony. I think I'd probably wake up, go lift weights, sign the letter of intent in my coach's office, fax it through, have some donuts and orange juice afterwards and go to class. But because it's such a, you know, it's a big moment oh, sure. for them, um, I'm really of the opinion, as long as it's not you know really distasteful or it's really not melodramatic, Let them have their moment. Okay. You know, it's a special thing, you know, picking a college where you're gonna attend because so much of that decision dictates, you know, the rest of your life, you know, the fit of being, you know, with that coaching staff and that scheme and that situation can determine your NFL future, you know, what that school offers for you know, academics, you know, and what you decide to major in has an influence on your future. You know, you can meet you know, you can meet your wife there, you know, and that could dictate your future circumstances. So it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, just, you know, let them do the thing, you know, it's a fleeting moment. And then after that, the work begins and they got to go to work and they got to, you know, they got to pay, you know, they got to pay their end of the bargain. But, um,
1: and, and, and I want to clarify, know, honestly, I don't, I,
0: don't. I, I like Caleb Tanner's announcement more than I liked, uh, Lamar Jackson's drawn out you know video that he made a couple years ago
1: and I don't I don't begrudge them of, of the way that they handle it uh, you, you know it's different from some of the players who made their commitment videos and then changed their minds and essentially have to you know put in yeah uh, you, you have to void out their their previous uh, videos but my, my, I wonder if it's a you know a, a Culture thing, and and I I only ask that because obviously that's you know Atlanta Hot Atlanta if you will, um, and and love no the ATL, and and there's plenty of hype around that, uh, but then you look at as someone who you know Nebraska, you know staff Nebraska football fans are looking at with probably equal amount of enthusiasm and excitement, and that's someone like Cameron Jurgens, and I wonder what you know how he made his decision. I, I don't believe that there was a, 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 you know, live stream. I he was probably more of like you said, get up, go to the gym, hit the weights, sign, fax, donuts and OJ. Uh, you know so that that seems more. The the one signing that I witnessed in in person uh, when I covered you know Nebraska high school athletics was uh, a young man from uh Rushville who signed uh to play for Iowa State and I went over there early on that Wednesday morning uh to cover it and uh, uh he was a lineman. You you'd have liked him. He he was an eight man lineman hoss. Um but uh
0: lineman. what's that best position in football.
1: Yeah. Uh and you know so he, he got up, you know, I got up and drove from Shattering to Rushville and and uh was there when he signed and did the whole story, did an interview, things like that, and had that all ready for the the noon sports, you know, that afternoon. Um, But it was not, you know, there was not as much fanfare. And, again, that was 15 years ago. So I know that there's, you know, a a difference just, you know, in that short amount of of time, you you know, relatively speaking. I, I don't know. It's just I wasn't really, you know, rubbed the wrong way by it. I I think some people were. Our uh, distinguished competition at Maize and Brew took issue with it for some reason. Uh, I don't know why they care. Their hat wasn't on the table. Um, Maybe they wanted to point out, Ah, see, Nebraska's getting this showboat. I don't know. Uh, They have Jim Harbaugh as their coach, so what do they know about, you know, uh, they should be well-versed at showboats uh, and headline hogs. But I don't know. Like I said, I I, I was just wanting your guys' take on it. I'm, I'm glad. Well, you
2: know, you know what I think. You know why I think. So many Nebraska fans don't like those big signing day ceremonies, is because before Wednesday we always lost. And there was yeah. half the table; they never picked Nebraska, so we all hate them because we're like, "Oh, it's a kid that with a signing day ceremony, we're going to lose," and then we <laughs> would lose. We were. How many times have we been left at the altar on signing day? Like every single time, like ever.
1: That's a that's a Regis really fair. Smith. I mean, that, that's a really fair observation that I I didn't think about till you know till just you said some. In fact, I think it was somebody Wednesday morning in in the uh, coronation Slack chat room that said, "Oh crap, their hats out, we're screwed." And he ended up, you know, it, it might have been uh, uh, Caleb uh, Tanner, in and, and it's just you know like. Oh, there's a Nebraska hat, but there's a bunch of other ones. And, and he, it, I, I, I can't remember who it was now, but they said, woohoo! And then they said, crap. And then they deleted the crap after he, you know, went through the entire list of, uh, you know, knocking all the hats off the table and putting out the Nebraska one. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? So it, it's just, you know, it, it's different strokes for different folks. Like I said, I don't begrudge uh, any of these young men for how they do it. I just, you know, uh, I'm. I was curious, just wanted your guys' take, but yeah, you're right, Rick, with with the fact that Nebraska has, you know, been on the the short end of the stick so many times when their hats to to be uh, worn. Uh, yeah, I could see why why Husker fans would not want to see a hat ceremony like that. So,
2: um, but at least, or at least our. Uh, at least our staff didn't uh, announce a recruitment before the guy put the hat on.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you for oh, bringing God. that up. We uh, we have got to talk about that. Uh, we were waiting for it and watching it because we didn't know. We didn't know where Baptiste would end up until they show, You know, ESPN, I think it was, or was a Big Ten network, uh, was talking with Urban Meyer, and he says, Oh, yeah. Uh, and and you're gonna have to forgive me because I I just know initials JJB, uh, but I know the Baptiste part is you know B is for Baptiste. He said, yeah, he uh, he sent his fax in a little bit ago, and that that had to ruin you know that that, that killed the kid's opportunity to make his announcement his way. Um, but Urban's gonna be Urban, you know. I guess he's he's gonna I don't know. That, let's let's talk a little bit about that because. That's not something I think you see from Frost. I don't think Frost is out to to pull the rug out, out from under, under any of these kids.
2: No, I think uh, Urban Meyer is a fantastic coach. Okay, yeah. I personally don't like the guy. I don't like him, but you can't you can't uh, deny the results in the field and the recruiting. But football players are a commodity to him, and Ohio State is a football factory. It's a very successful football factory. He's put like 122 kids in the NFL like in the last two years or something. But still, he doesn't care about Javante Jean-Baptiste. He doesn't care about him. He's happy he got him because we didn't get him, and he filled a hole, and that's what that guy is to him.
0: So Yeah, he's a commodity. And I, I mean, I, I say this from a standpoint of I can't stand Urban Meyer as a Nebraska fan from a pure football clinical standpoint, I admire the guy as a coach. I, he's the George S. Patton of football coaches. He always in command. But, um, I thought that was Bush league, you know, and I urban's, uh, attitude towards Nebraska, going back to the Keith Williams, Zach Smith thing from a couple summers ago. when you know, white outs got the DUI. That was, that was a calculated move by herb to, uh, talk about Baptiste before he faxed in his letter of intent or his announcement. That was was twisting the knife towards Nebraska. It was like Bill Walsh putting Guy McIntyre in at fullback against the Bears in the playoffs. It it was a calculated move.
1: Do you think that he just didn't want Nebraska to have another uh, Jean-Baptiste to burn Ohio State?
0: Ooh, ooh, nice reference. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to to pat myself on the back for that We'll have to reference a guy who will always get free drinks in Nebraska because of his <laughs> efforts, uh, Joe Boserman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting that one thirteen rows into the uh, uh, stands, buddy.
0: <laughs> hey, Joe Boserman drinks for free in Nebraska.
2: It's too. It's too bad you don't have like graphics that go on your podcast because the Joe Boserman passing chart is an all time favorite of mine.
0: You know, when uh, we, we he got that put happen. in the game in 11, when uh, Braxton Miller got hurt, I remember turning to my brother and one of my friends who was watching the game with me, and I looked at them and I go, they're going to put the slow white guy in now. <laughs> and I only knew that because I bought NCAA football that summer. And that was before Braxton Miller became the starter. And I was playing it, and it was July, August of 2011. And I beat Ohio State really badly in Dynasty mode because they had a white quarterback, number eleven, who was slower than shit and couldn't throw the ball. And so, yeah, Joe Boserman is the slow white guy who, you know, Levante David probably owes him dinner still for what he did to him. <laughs>
1: and and you know what, Rick, I can, I can put that uh, picture in in the post. So yeah, we can absolutely have the Joe Bowserman uh, uh, throwing chart in uh, on the article. Uh,
2: always, always appropriate, always a favorite.
1: Let's talk, since, since we mentioned uh, uh, Jean-Baptiste, uh, what what is it, first name? Givante. That's what I, I was going to say. I didn't want to be wrong. Givante Jean-Baptiste. Uh, I did throw it out on social media, on uh, Facebook and Twitter on Wednesday evening, uh, asking for if, if there were any questions that, that any of the uh, – Listeners or fans had regarding National Signing Day, and a shout out to Casey Johnson who uh, asked this question that evening. Uh, other than JJB, who was our big miss of the class under Frost? Uh, we might. You guys might have different opinions, so I'll, I'll let you each you know field that question.
0: You first, Hoss. You know, at first blush, I'm inclined to say that would be Baptiste just because you can never have too many pass rushers on the roster. But in looking at it kind of more, you know, big picture, I would probably have to say Bryson Williams. Um, just from the standpoint that DTs are such a precious commodity, probably even more precious than pass rushers. And it's like the Bill Parcells, big person theory. There's only so many people on this earth who are big enough, strong enough and fast enough to play defensive line. And in return, they deserve to be compensated for that uncommon commodity that they possess. So anytime you have a homegrown DT like Bryson Williams in your home state, you got to close on him. And through no, you know, through no failing of Scott Frost and this staff, you know, we couldn't get it done because, you know, Bryson Williams committed to Wisconsin. We said no originally because Diaco was so obsessed with, you know, bigger nose guards and, you know, longer, you know, four-eye, five-technique defensive ends in, three, in his 3-4. Um, but Bryson Williams is a man of his word. You know, he followed through on that commitment. I don't like it, but I can respect it. But I would probably say that's our biggest miss.
2: You took my answer, Haas. That's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. He's uh. a, he, because, A, we have a hole in our recruiting class for nose tackle. Yep. right, or def- defensive tackle. He's a defensive tackle, and he's an in-state prospect. We need to control those, and we have to play against him in a couple years. So
0: wish him the like- best of luck. I just hope we kick his ass every year. No offense, Bryson. <laughs> we just talking collectively about Wisconsin.
2: There you go. I hope he gets a great education and he loves his time there and Never goes on to Big be a West wonderful again. human being. And, yep. and I hope he just has a bad day every time we play him. Yep.
0: Every, uh, every sixth Saturday in October, sixth Saturday in October. <laughs> wow. Every second Saturday in October. There you go.
1: It, it, but that does, you know, raise another point because, uh, some, we, we've talked a lot about, about the recruits and about the, the, the signings and the scholarship, but we haven't talked a whole lot about the walk-ons. And I know that, uh, the, the walk-on class is pretty well, uh, stacked as well, but it has to be a priority for this staff to keep those in-state kids in state. Uh, and since, you know, I mean, hey, if they want to go out and play at Shattern State, more power <coughs> to them. They can't play at Wayne State. Uh, they can't play at uh, UNK, because you can't spell drunk without UNK. And we all know, uh, you know, that Creighton's football team is still a few years away, contrary to reports on coordination.com that are still one of our more popular uh, posts of all time you got to keep these, the, the, the in-state talent in state. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's gotta be a focus. Uh, I, I don't think anybody will, you know, I, I don't think anybody has understood that as much since Frank Solich as, as Scott Frost will do. I think that he's, he's going to, uh, you know, go from Omaha to Sydney, uh, and, and try to keep, the best players in state in 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 the state playing at the University of Nebraska. I, I don't know. It's it's got to be a focus. It the the last few regimes. I hate using that word, but I don't know. You know, have I don't want to say administrations. The last few. Uh, you sound like
0: failed dictatorships, right?
1: Um, but they have dropped the ball on on the in-state stuff, and uh, uh, it it needs to change. I mean, we. I don't. Well, and, and, and I because, you, you, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Lincoln kid, Lincoln, they didn't even have to drive to, to Grand Island or Hastings or North Platte yeah. to see this kid. It was in town. You uh, can he,
0: throw a rock from South Stadium. Right.
1: As and, and was he's gonna going to say,
2: yeah, the, the shadow of the stadium probably fell over his house in the evenings,
1: and and so he's going to Madison. You had, uh, you know, a very capable tight end at Noah Fant, who's at oh, Iowa. Uh, uh,
0: uh, don't, no, 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 no. We no, let's not. I'm not ready to talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> sorry. Um, but that those aren't those are not isolated incidents. It's it's become a trend where you know you're losing quality athletes to the North Dakota states and the South Dakotas. And, and uh, you know, they're probably even going south to Kansas for some reason because they like barren wastelands. I don't know. Um, Lawrence is nice. Yeah, I drove through Kansas. Got a ronza. I drove through Kansas. It's once through Kansas it's nice.
0: Once. Ooh, yeah. That's going to be a no good. for me, dog.
1: Y- you know what I like best about <laughs> Here's what I like best about driving through Kansas. I was 15, I was on my permit, it was straight, it was flat, and I had no worries.
0: First time I went through Kansas was on the way to the uh, Alamo Bowl in 05 against Michigan and San Antonio. That was my family Christmas present that year. And uh, ain't a lot between Emporia and Wichita. No. But, I mean... See your dog running away for five days.
2: (laughs) A couple of oil wells, <laughs> mm-hmm. in red dirt.
1: It, but but the point, Wichita
0: is just a Paris of the plains.
1: The the point remains the same. Is that I think that Frost is going to take more seriously the the in state talent than you know the the past three you know the previous three coaches from Riley Pellini who who said you can't you know famously said you can't recruit to to Nebraska. Well, you got kids in Nebraska, Callahan uh, let some, you know, D1 talent go. Uh, It's, I don't know, I think Frost is going to actively try to keep these kids in state, you know, might might not hit every one of them, but uh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to, because I think he understands it more than the other guys did.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you're always going to lose your junior, you know, there's always going to be a junior Bryant or a Larry Stations, you know, that gets away, but you don't want that to be an every year occurrence. And, you know, you mentioned North Dakota State earlier, and, you know, even though they're FCS, my God, how nice would it have been to have Easton Stick on the roster, you know, the past few years, it said Tommy Armstrong and Tanner Lee. You know, even though I'm a big Tanner Lee guy, um, Easton Stick is a great football player. And he, he would fit in a Frost scheme, he would fit in a Riley scheme, even what Tim Beck did, even though I despise tim beck more than even sean watson as an offensive coordinator and uh yeah i mean you got it if you got guys that can play you got to take a flyer on whether it's as a scholarship offer or a walk-on
2: absolutely i agree completely and we took 21 uh walk-ons this year i don't think we'll probably take about that many next year as he is as uh, Scott ramps up to the 150 man roster that he wants, but I don't. After that, I think it'll be like 10 to 15 walk ons will be uh, just to sustain. That's where it'll sit. But but that's more walk ons than were ever taken before uh, by a large margin. So,
1: and we didn't. We haven't talked too much about the walk ons. I know that there's a, an article on coordination.com, dot which uh, uh, again you can go back if you. you know, we haven't mentioned every uh athlete who signed this past wednesday but if you follow you know the social media on Coronation, you know or if you visit you know have coordination.com uh favorited or bookmarked in your browser you know uh rick did a phenomenal job all day long uh i i've got i've got to ask the question rick were you aware of the term pre-writes before you know the the (laughs) signing days that you that you've now covered
2: well, before before early signing day, I did, I was not aware of the the word pre write, and the day that I said, "All right, you're going to be the guy," I signed up, and I was already three days behind <laughs> because I didn't have the pre writes done.
1: I but, I just want to say, well, and I know Haas will back me up on this. Uh, BT would be proud, man, because he he was oh, yeah. he was Absolutely. he was pre write mad. I mean. He, he had, he had pre-rights ready to go for, you know, some sometimes it wouldn't be even be a guy who was on the radar. He'd heard a rumor sometime. He's like, you know what, I'm just going to have this ready to go, whether or not it, it came true. But, uh, man. Uh, You'd
0: never slept.
1: Yeah. It, and And that's why. You know, in, in years past, you know, National Signing Day, of course, on Wednesday, we would never record on Wednesday night because he's like, I need sleep. <laughs> so we would always record Thursday night or, or Friday night like like we, the three of us happen to be. Hoss, is your damn house burning down? What the hell, man? No, it's Are you it's cooking good. poorly? Are, are you over toasting your toast? What's going on there?
0: No, it's just every time it gets, you know, below 10 degrees, this happens.
1: All right, it just we're we're concerned yep. about you, buddy. That's
0: all. All, all <laughs> quiet on the western front.
1: <laughs> okay, makes- well that makes me feel better because
2: I've gotten up and checked all my smoke detectors like twice during the course of this <laughs> podcast
0: already. Yeah, I mean, it, it, oh god, it, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. You know, I I've switched out batteries. I don't know what's going on. Maybe maybe the house is haunted. Who knows? You know, but. Uh, uh, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, so even if the house was burning down, I don't think I'd probably wake up.
1: Let's, uh, before we get out of here, you said there's a, a walk on class of about 15. Can we, let's, uh, mention those names real fast because they are walk ons, and, and that means that the, uh, the road, I guess, to, uh, seeing them on the field is a little bit longer. Uh, they're, they're wearing the N for, uh, more for pride than, you know, obviously they're, they're paying their way until they earn a scholarship down the road, which does happen, but uh, let, let's talk briefly about some of those walk-ons and then we're going to get out of here because it's, it's, it is late and and you know, Haas has uh, texts he has to make to important people in his life and uh, <laughs> and Rick and I oh,
0: I, knew that. I knew that would probably come up
1: <laughs> Rick and I who are uh, both old and we need sleep uh so let let's let's talk uh did I, I was I was guessing on that hosty do you you do indeed have texts that that you need to make right
0: Uh I mean it's yeah it's 10:38 but you know um conversation never sleeps
1: conversation never sleeps man Uh so walk on so let's uh, uh the, these are the young men who again paying their way uh at least uh, for the uh inter, the immediate future um but are, are so excited to be part of Husker football that, that that's you know a, a financial sacrifice they're willing to make at the time so let's talk about uh, these walk-ons
2: okay so uh, well there's 21 walk-ons big walk-on class and I'm not going to talk about every single one of them but I'll uh, highlight some so we got two offensive linemen we mentioned that we you know we uh, wish we had gotten a few more offensive linemen we got uh, Colin Sheffkey and AJ Forbes, which are two solid uh, solid people that that can be developed. Uh, another thing, we got uh, two long snappers. Uh, I was never on board with wasting a scholarship and a long snapper. That's just a, that's just a wasted scholarship. Not that that not that uh, long snappers aren't important, but that's just one less defensive tackle you can
1: recruit. Long snappers. They have the longest careers because, uh-huh. uh, and you know, and this is—I don't say this to disrespect any fine long snappers that are listening, but they don't do anything. Well, they can't be
2: hit. I mean, <laughs> you could be like a hundred and forty-two pound long snapper.
1: Be yeah. a good long snapper. My dad's so. my dad's going to go out uh, next year to be a long snapper for the Indianapolis Colts, and he's going to be sixty uh, something. I should know Perfect. that. So I don't know. I don't know why I said the Colts. They're probably not the closest. Bears or Titans are probably closer now, but, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he could, he could do it. I could be a long snapper. I'm not half the athlete. My dad was so moving on. Sorry.
2: uh, Go ahead. And then, uh, probably the highlight would be, uh, Moses Bryant, right? He's a three-star running back. Uh, he has some academic issues. That's why he is elected to walk on. Uh, it gives him time to get his, uh, We'll make sure he qualifies and then we'll see we'll see in the fall. Uh, linebacker Anthony Banderas is notable, uh, younger brother of Josh Banderas. Uh, quarter we got a quarterback recruit, Matt Masker from Carney Catholic. He uh, broke every Scott Frast quarterback record in the state. So I mean, that's saying something. That's saying something to me. Um, let's see. We're, uh, we got Lane McCallum coming back from the Air Force Academy. So you know he's a disciplined athlete. Um, there's, uh, there's a bunch of other guys on here from uh, state championship teams. And uh, walk-ons are important. Quality walk-ons are important. These are the guys that train your starters. Uh, so if these guys never see the field, these are the guys on the scout team. They train your starters. The quality of your walk-ons is directly proportional to the quality of your starters' gameplay. I, I strongly believe that. So, I mean, I played football in high school. I definitely did not play for Nebraska in college, right? I was small and slow. and But you could see it. The harder you worked, the better the starters got. And it's an important job. It's an important job. And these guys, there's a lot of talent here. Uh, there's people that can play. I think there's a lot of people that we may see on Saturday here. So,
1: and that's an important uh, thing to remember because, and, and I'm going to bring them up that you know they're our friends uh, over at the Big Red Cobcast, and they've talked to former Huskers who started out on the scout team. And are going up against uh, you know the the first team offense or defense, particularly on the line. I think they've they've talked to one of the Kelsey brothers and they talked to Aaron Taylor. Uh, good stuff over there. I know they're not on Coordination anymore, which is why we are the number one podcast on Coronation.com. Um, but good stuff over there. If you still subscribe, I, I highly recommend. It. I still listen to their stuff every week. Um, but you know that's exactly what they're talking about. They're the reason that those teams in the nineties were so good was because like, like you said, Rick, the, 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 the scout teams and the number twos who were, were battling and and pushing them to be the best that they could be were that good. And it's you had to, to fight and and claw and scrape to keep your spot because there was somebody, you know almost as good as you. I mean just a fraction you know, maybe a, a half a step slower or something like that. Who who was ready? If 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 they were improving and you were not, you were going to sit on the bench. So that's why you had so much competition from within, and that's why you know the, the the team won you know three national championships in four years. It's it's something important. Like like I said, it's it's really its important can't be measured until. We see the results from from the ones on the field, but yeah like you said bringing in quality guys is and, and good players you know guys who down the road could see uh, you know some some you know game time, but even if they don't they have to always be the best that they can be. they can't just become complacent with well I'm a scout team, so you know I'm gonna go through the motions they, because that doesn't help the team get any better. Uh, so as long as they're pushing themselves to be the best that they can be, uh, you know, I, I, I've i referenced it before, and I'll say it again. It is my favorite movie. It's Rudy. And, you know, when Rudy finally uh, makes the team as a, as a walk-on and he's out there getting punished every day in practice, and the big guy's are like, man, why you do that to yourself? He's like, well, if I, if, if I don't, you know, then I can't get you ready for this week's game, you know, things like that. That's the mentality that some of these guys have to have. Um. So you know, bringing quality players, quality kids it, it, on the walk program is only going to bolster the the overall team. So that I'm I'm off my soapbox.
0: Damn it! I'm gonna burn this place down.
1: <laughs> I love you, uh, Haas. There's there's a Nickelback song just for you, Haas called burn it to the ground tonight.
0: Oh, I was thinking Michael Scott from The Office should have burnt this place down when I had the chance. Yeah, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know why I went to Nickelback. I guess that says more about me than it does you. So,
0: are we talking about the big Nickelbacks in football, the one who can stop the run and defend the pass? Or are we talking about the nickel who only defends the pass? Or are we talking about the band? You know, you've got to <laughs> specify these things.
1: Uh, we're talking about the band in this case, and, and I'm I'm ashamed. That's how I know. There, there,
0: there are a few songs I don't mind, I'll admit it.
1: I'll say this. and
0: uh, uh, I mean, I'm also the guy who likes a little bit of Dan Fogelberg in my life, you know. I, Same old Lang Syne, you know. I like songs Dan like that.
1: Fogelberg. And,
0: you I'm know, not too proud to admit it.
1: Leader of the band. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Morning Sky.
1: I don't know what that has to do with Nickelback.
0: I don't know. I'm, just, I'm rambling here. He's eclectic. Like,
1: I also like John yeah, Denver. I
0: am the I'm the Mario Verdusco of <laughs> Coronation Writers, you know. I'm a football guy, but I also talk to you about Stephen King novels and, you know, uh Civil War history. You know, I don't smoke cigars but I do chew tobacco. You know, I'm just I'm a little eclectic.
1: See, I do smoke cigars and I have a Green Lantern tattoo, so just no
0: tattoos. I don't have a single tattoo. Actually,
1: yeah, but you do have your nipples pierced. And don't ask me how I know.
0: Uh, that's news to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for playing along. Jeez. All right. Uh, that. You know what? When we start making up piercings from the other guys, it's it's time to call it a show. Uh, Rick, <laughs> any any final thoughts on on what is now your first official recruiting class in the books?
2: Well, I got to tell you. Uh, if you think you follow recruiting, wait till you have to write a recruiting article. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I oh, I totally uh, got on that.
2: <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I'm trying to stay away from the Kool Aid. But I think there is a lot of I, I wouldn't fault you if you drank the Kool Aid. Uh, looking at what where we're at, going forward with this recruiting class and the. And the things that uh, Scott Frost has done thus far.
1: Yeah, the good people of Hastings will uh, appreciate you giving them a shout out. Uh, Haas, final thoughts on the uh, well. The recruiting two
0: things: class. we're gonna have a lot of speed. We're gonna have speed to burn. It's not gonna be UCF fast. We'll have to find another uh, catchphrase, you know, for Nebraska. But uh, no i I agree with Rick when he said, if you think you follow recruiting, you know wait till you write about it. Um, when b T contacted me about doing the breakdowns, I thought I knew how to watch film and breakdown games, but actually writing about it and teaching other people football, that was a whole new ball game I had to I had to find a whole new way to watch film and you know break everything down it, it was a uh, it's it's a learning experience so i totally empathize with you on that rick but i will
1: say this uh as far as your professional aspirations that can only be a positive for you i mean that all you want to do I don't absolutely no, but but you know with you wanting to be a coach then that's you know that's just nothing but i would say forward momentum because now you can you know, you can take that to schools and be like, uh, you know, I, as as goofy and and you know amateur as it sounds, I've been breaking down film for x how you know x amount of years, you know, yeah. and, and people hundreds of you know thousands of people whatever have been reading it, here, are the imprints here, you know that that that's. That's, a, that's stuff you can put on your resume, and I know that because I've listed coordination.com on my resume before. Didn't help get me a job in radio, but I do drive a truck and deliver water for a living now, so
0: there you go. No, like, I agree completely, and uh, it's one of those things where, like, even if BT didn't contact me about that, would I I would still be watching film, you know, still re-watching games on, you know, Monday and Tuesday, you know, after the games on Saturday but now I just get another excuse to watch even more film.
1: To wrap things up, uh, just a couple quick notes about the weekend. Uh the Husker women's softball team uh had a nice walk-off win over a top 20 ranked BYU team and I believe that was on Friday if I'm getting my memory uh correct. You check that uh, recap out over at coordination.com. Husker men's basketball is in action this weekend against Rutgers. Uh we, had, we, we hadn't touched on it. I didn't know if we really even needed or wanted to touch on it, but there was an incident this past uh, week at uh, the UNL campus. Um, and Tim Miles, I think, did took a very staunch uh, stance, a, a very firm stance in in uh, the hate will never win. And so the men from the Husker men's basketball team, underneath their jerseys, will be wearing shirts to say hate will never win. Um Let's all try to be better. I guess you know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm you know white. I don't know how how to phrase things in a way that doesn't sound like I'm pandering. Uh, but we can all be better. Uh, and and just I, I honestly I said this on the Nerds United. Uh, podcast which is not a place where we get political or religious at all but you know the, the greatest commandment of all in my opinion is uh, uh to love the lord your god and love thy neighbor as thyself and uh, just do that that's simple stuff so if you mm-hmm. can do that and uh uh you know maybe we can have a little less hate in the world from from any side and uh we can we can learn to to be decent de- be decent people once again uh it is possible um, I, I talk with decent people you know, all the time. I see people from all walks of life in my job. Uh, all you got to do is smile. and Be be friendly. You know, Open a door, shake a hand, just say, hey, how you doing? You don't have to be a dick. I guess that's what I'm saying. Love thy neighbor as thyself and don't be a dick. I'm pretty sure it's in the Bible just like that. Um, that is it. I'm probably going to hell for that one. Uh, That is it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Hoss Reuter and Rick Cohn. Check out everything. Coronation.com has everything you need. It is so – it is, like, all-encompassing. It is very thorough. It's the best – probably the best Husker site out there. And it's free. No paywalls, nothing like that. Uh, So, Coronation.com. For Rick Cohn, Hoss Reuter, I'm Greg Mahochko. Reminding you this week and every week – that five heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red.
0: Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.